Recorded by The Way in Brea. Lead pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's production department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. Alright. Good morning, everybody. We got, uh, you can just pass it out, uh, Connie, just let them take the, the whole thing there. Uh, we got a gift coming around for you guys. Uh, that video is, is really interesting. It's, it's all that work for a kidney bean. Wow. <laughs> kidney beans. Luke chapter 12, verse 27 says, consider the lilies how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? If God is doing all that with lilies and with grass and with kidney beans, <laughs> which uh, is here today and it says that it's gone tomorrow, how much do you think he's doing in your life if you're going to live forever. Mary, as the video was playing, she says, it looks like it's actually dancing to the music, right? Think about that. These plants are growing up, and they're dancing to the sun. They're dancing up. They're growing up, right? And this is just a kidney bean. And think about how beautiful our lives should be. Think about what our worship is to God. The title of the message this morning is Kingdom Crops. <laughs> Kingdom Crops. You know, this is our first uh, service of 2019. It was amazing to hear the testimonies about life groups and the things that God is doing. There's, there's obviously going to be challenges, but I really do believe that it's what God has for us uh, moving forward. So let's just keep those things and those people, those hosts uh, in prayer to hear the testimony about what took place yesterday with the women, with uh, 31 Status and the meeting that you guys had. It's just, it's exciting. And uh, when you get to the beginning of a year, what's the, the main thing that everybody is usually talking about? Resolution. New Year's resolutions. So I'm not interested uh, right now in a, in a New Year's resolution. I'm interested in seeing what it is that God wants to actually grow in our lives that'll last more than two or three months, <laughs> that'll last more than even two or three years. I believe that God wants to do things in our lives that last decades and last even into eternity, right? You know, Vanessa said that, you know, she's a lifer here, almost 10 years doing things a certain way. That's something that God has grown in that life and in that family, right? New Year's resolution, we can't even remember, some of us, what we resolved to do last year or the year before that or the year before that. But when God grows something, it remains. Somebody say amen. amen. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 13, continuing our series, uh, The Kingdom and the Cross, The King and the Cross. So uh, we were in Matthew chapter 12 last week. We looked at kingdom contrast. And this week we're going to look at kingdom crops. <clears throat> so Matthew chapter 13, if you're there, say amen. If you're not, catch up. It'll show up on the screen for you too. So Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 1, it says, On the same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the sea. And great multitudes were gathered together to him so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow. Say sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up, but because, or excuse me, but because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. 
but others fell on good ground. Say good ground. And those yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak in parables? He answered and said to them, Because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For whoever has, to him more will be given, and he will have abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Therefore I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled, which says, Hearing you'll hear, and you shall not understand. Seeing you'll see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes they have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts and turn, so that I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets and righteous men desired to see what you see, and they did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. Amen. Amen. So kingdom crops, this is probably a, a little bit of a familiar portion of scripture for some of us where we've seen this different type of soil, we've seen things sown, we've seen the enemy come and, and steal things, but hopefully this morning uh, we'll look at it maybe just a little bit differently and uh, we'll be blessed by the time we leave out of here. So the first thing I want to talk about is the sower, the seed, and the soil. The sower, the seed, and the soil. Jesus is talking in these parables. Jesus is speaking to his people. We have to be engaged and, and uh, really pursuing him in order to be able to understand. And these three areas, the uh, sower, the seed, and the soil. First off, with the sower, the Lord is the sower, and he only sows good seed. The Lord in this story, he's the sower, and he only sows good seed. In James chapter 1, verse 16, it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So God sows good seed. He's the sower. It comes down from heaven and into our lives, right? He says that even when he sowed us, when he created us, we were the first fruits. We were something good because he's good. He's good. He makes good things. He sows good seed. He doesn't make bad seeds. He doesn't make bad people. Because he's good, we were good. We were the first fruits of all of his creation. He said, look, I made everything, and this is the first fruits. What I want back, the best of what I've created are you. It's what God would say. We're not good because we think we're good or we say that we're good or we tell people that we're good. We're good because he's created us. We're the first fruits, the best of what he's created. We'll get there uh, in another service, but I want to touch on Matthew 13, 26. It says, when the grain sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared or the weeds also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said, sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have weeds? And he said to them, an enemy has done this. Anytime we think about the sower, anytime we think about the seed, anytime we think about something God is doing, it's always going to be good. If we see something bad, if something's growing in our lives that is like a weed that doesn't have value, that's actually choking the life out of other areas in our life, it means that that came from the enemy. So many people are mad at the sower. Don't be mad at the sower. He's a good sower. Somebody say amen. amen. And he only sows good seed. Right. If something's wrong in our life, it's because we have an enemy. The Lord doesn't sow bad seed. The Lord doesn't create bad people. The Lord doesn't create bad kids, right? The enemy and some of us that have allowed the enemy in, Remember your life, hopefully before Christ, the things that we used to be responsible for, right? The things we allowed in and the things that we perpetuated, the things that increased that were negative in our lives, that wasn't God's hand. He's a good sower. <clears throat> so what about the seed? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16 says, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. 
Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. So picture uh, a man or a woman, picture yourself maybe, and you've got this, this field and it's all jacked up and tore up. Nothing good is growing. It's all death. It's all weeds. And then the Lord says, right, I'll remember their sins no more. That means you've been saved. You've given your life to the Lord. Your sins have been cast as far as the east is from the west. And then the first thing that he says he's going to do is plant these seeds into your life. He's going to write his laws into your heart and into your mind. Plants them deep inside of you. This isn't something that you've had to go out and get. This is a gift that's come from God into your life. One of the confirmations for me that God was real and that I was truly saved is when I started to read the word and there were things that I already knew and I'd never read the Bible before and I'd never been to church. How does that happen? It means that when I gave my life to the Lord, he planted seeds in my heart, he planted seeds in my mind, and then when you read his word, you say, man, there's, there's already a connection here. Many of you are talking about, or you heard the testimonies this morning about life groups and hearing what other people have to say, hearing what it is that they've learned in the word and bringing that to the conversations. God's planted seeds inside of us as his sons and as his daughters. He does that, good seeds. Another thing that I believe God plants, not just his word into our hearts and our minds, and it gets kind of activated when you read. When you read, it's like watering those seeds, right? But I believe that God also plants purpose and new life in us. <clears throat> this year, are we just trying to, to live or are you going to live on purpose? <laughs> God is a good sower. He plants good seeds. He gives us purpose and he gives us new life. A lot of us who are here this morning, you know, there, maybe there was a couple of parts of the year last year where you're like, man, I don't think I'm going to make it through this year. And isn't God good? You're here. <laughs> We should call all of our friends that were really dramatic last year and the sky was falling and say, look, you made it to 2019. God's good. Amen. But what if we allow him to actually sow purpose into our lives? Not just survival, not just making it through another week, making it through another year, not just living and trying to do the best we can, but real purpose. I believe that those are seeds that God has for us. As those seeds went around, uh, don't raise your hand, but I was hoping everybody would just take one. I know some of you are like, let me get two or three of these. I like this one. I want to pick my color, all that kind of stuff. Let me get one for my friend who's not here. But what if there was one that was for you and it was your purpose? What if it's something that God wanted to put into your life? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 10, it says, God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed. Say seed. seed. Say seed. seed. And the fruit tree that yields fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. So when God is going through this, this, uh, this moment of creation and creating things, he makes seeds. And he says that the life is already in the seed. The life that's going to be produced from a particular seed is going to be of the same kind. You're not going to get an apple tree from a strawberry seed. There's life in both of those seeds, but they produce after their same kind. There's this uh, specific expectation of what God is going to harvest from a particular seed. When you look around a room like this and there's all these people in here, uh, prayfully we, we know the Lord or we've come to, to find out more about the Lord. But if you do know the Lord, you are unique. God's plan for your life is unique. We come into a room like this and we gather and we praise him together, but your seed is unique and God is expecting it to produce a particular kind of crop. Amen. says they produce after their own, their own kind. He knows what he's sowing into your life. Think about that for a second. Not only is he a good sower, and not only does he have good seed, but he knows exactly what kind of seed he's sowing into your life. He's not surprised when uh, the apple tree sprouts. He's like, that's what I sowed into your life. He's not surprised if it's uh, a lily or a kidney bean or whatever kind of bean you got when it went around today. In Genesis 1.27, it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. 
Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the, of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, See, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Think about this for a second. The seed that God plants in our lives has to be harvested in order for us to be sustained, in order for us to live and actually grow. We have to harvest the seed that God gave us. Why is that important? Imagine if Adam and Eve in the beginning would have said, no, I'm not really too interested in, in planting this seed and harvesting it. Like, that's where their food was going to come from. That's what was going to sustain them and give them strength. So what about in your life? If God has specific seeds that he wants to plant into your life and they're designed to fulfill you and to give you purpose and to give you strength and to give you energy and passion, all those things, what happens if you don't harvest those seeds? What happens if you don't plant those seeds, you don't water those seeds? You know what you're left to do? You got to eat fast food. <laughs> Think about that spiritually. Like Mary does 99.9% .9 of the cooking at our house. And she's good at it. We've come a long way from when we got married. <laughs> Gourmet was like a cup of noodles, some extra seasoning on it. But it's good. We go to the grocery store, we buy food, we cook it, you take the time, you pour love into it in prayer, and your family is sustained by that, right? And if you're not willing to do that kind of labor, invest into the cost of that, invest into the time of that, what you end up with is fast food. You think it's sustaining you, but you're actually dying by eating that stuff. You're actually getting worse, not really getting better, because it's not really specifically for you. This is for all the people who don't want to plant seed, all the people who don't want to labor, all the people who don't want to actually do what God has told us to do. The world has created fast food for you. Spend your money, think that you're getting healthy, but you're actually getting worse. And then what we might say is, look, if I don't want to go that far, what if I just live off of somebody else's dinner table? Somebody else's plate. Somebody else who's been harvesting and planting and harvesting and planting. God says the same way with Adam and Eve where he said, look, I gave you the whole, the whole world. I want you to multiply. I want you to be fruitful. I'm giving you seed. Make sure you plant it. Make sure you harvest it because this is what you're going to actually be sustained by. The same is true in our, our spiritual lives. God has something specific for you. God has seed that he wants to give you. And if you'll harvest it, if you'll plant it and harvest it, it'll sustain you. If not, you'll be living off of the wrong things, either somebody else's harvest or fast food spiritually. I love what Junior had to say up here. He said, we get kind of easy or we get kind of lazy coming into church on Wednesday. We didn't really read. <laughs> and we just are jumping out there and, and engaging. God is good and all that. He said, but if we're going to go to a life group, we got to read. We got to have something of value to add to a conversation. We got to look at the questions and, and prepare ourselves and pray, right? That's the difference between eating off somebody else's plate, eating fast food, or the seed that God has given you. It has value. It was a blessing to be in the group that I was in. Uh, I was telling Mary, this is one of the reasons we wanted to do it is, I can't remember the last time that I spent two, three hours without an agenda and without somewhere to go and without rushing out just to sit with men and women that I go to church with and just enjoy each other. We ate, we laughed, we gave, gave food to one another, gave drinks to one another, right? Chase Josiah around the house. Like, it was great. So God's purpose for us comes in seeds. Those seeds fulfill us. But we've got to learn to harvest them, and that brings us to the soil, right? You've got the sower. You've got good seed. It's full of purpose. It's full of life. It's specific. It's unique. You don't get somebody else's seed. You get your own. But what about the soil? The soil is your heart and your mind. If you've got a good sower and he's got good seed, all we need is good soil. <laughs> It'd probably be tough if, if we had to be the sower or if we had to create the seed. Right? God went through all that that you saw in the video for a kidney bean. <laughs> How creative is God? Psalm chapter 95 verse 6 says, Come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker, for he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. 
as in the day of trial in the wilderness when your fathers tested me. They tried me, though they saw my work. For 40 years I was grieved with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray in their hearts and they do not know my ways. When God delivers, when God saves, and they come out of Egypt, they go into the wilderness, their hearts began to get hardened. They started, started thinking about going back. They seen the power and the glory and the love of God, but they let their hearts get hardened. Many of us, we can testify to that, being in a church for, for months or being in a church for years, that some days we look up and we're like, man, why am I bitter? <laughs> why am I angry? Where has that feeling gone you know, that loving feeling in the beginning when there was joy and you were excited every time that you came and you couldn't wait to hear the word. And now you're just like eyeballing people across the, the aisles. And you come like with, with this, this spirit of like, he's going to say something wrong and I'm going to tell him how wrong he is today. <laughs> how dare you tell me I got to go to a life group. Tell me which one I need to go to. <laughs> like what's, what's with the hard hearts? God is saying, look, if you would understand that I'm a good, good sower, I've got good seed, and all you have to do is not let your heart get hardened, you could be fruitful. You could be blessed. You could be continuously harvesting. The soil of our hearts is so important, you guys. How do, we, how do we deal with that soil? If you go through this story, it says that some seed fell by the wayside, right? So you've got soil and you've got places where you can plant and you've got kind of a road going through it. And it says that the bird, the enemy comes and takes that. It never gets deep. It never grows roots. The next time it talks about something that grows up quick, right? But it doesn't have deep roots. I love, I love in the video, it would be, it would be really easy, actually, just to show the beauty of the plant, right? It's green, and it started off like purple or red, and it came out, and it started dancing and spinning and doing all that kind of stuff. But they were like, look, for the second half of the video, let me show you the roots. Because all that pretty stuff on the outside, if there's no roots, when the sun hits, this thing is going to die. It's sucking up water from the ground. It's getting its strength. You know, one of the reasons I think that it was dancing like that is there's other elements out there. Somebody say Amen. We're just looking at the, the, the green and the plant and the leaves, and then there's roots. But there's also wind that comes through. There's also storms that come through. And it's those roots that actually hold everything together. How deep are your roots? I was kind of jealous because one of the life groups said, we already got a life group name. We already know what we're cooking next week. We decided that we are called Deeper Roots. I was like, dang. Let me call my life group host real quick. What's our name? <laughs> But I knew I was going to be sharing this. I was like, yeah, deeper roots, right? Because look, the storms are still going to come. Somebody say amen. amen. The wind is still going to come. Somebody say amen. amen. But if you have deep roots, you can get through those things. If you don't have deep roots, you're going to wither and die. The wind is going to blow you over. The water is going to flood you. So that's what he said. Some grow up quick. You start coming to church. You're praising God. You're harmonizing. They're like, break every chain. And you're like, break every chain. <laughs> Where's where you started? You're at the altar, right? We say salvation, you're just giving your life again. But where are you six months later? Where are you when that check didn't show up? Where are you when you get sick? Where are you when you get tired? Where are you when you lose that relationship? Right? If you got deep roots, You'll remain. You'll endure. You'll still be able to harvest what God has planted that will sustain you through those things. Yes, that's right. And then the last group, he says that some of it falls on good soil. The good soil is simply those who will worship, those who will pray, those who will ask God, those who will read, those who will help others, right? Those who will not only be concerned with themselves, but be concerned with the kingdom, yes. right? Man, if you've got that kind of soil, that's all you need. Life is not going to be perfect. Somebody say amen. amen. We're not saying that by doing this, that every day is going to be a joyful day of rainbows and sunshine. All it means is that your heart is in a right place with God where you see the bigger picture of who he is and what he's doing. Right? And good things will grow. <clears throat> so number one is the sower, the soil, and the seed. Number two is the actual kingdom crops. Kingdom crops. Kingdom crops bring forth just the right amount. Just the right amount. You know, if you read this story, it said that some 
uh, had an increase of 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold, right? So there's this multiplication. God told Adam and Eve to be fruitful and to multiply, that they are going to grow. More is going to come from the one seed that was planted. It's not going to be one seed, one fruit. One seed is going to have multiple fruit. There's this multiplication that God is doing in people's lives. So I believe this. There's a principle that, uh, and you even hear it in this story, that if you do well with what you have, God is going to give you more. That's a good thing, right? If you don't do well, it said, even with what you have, if all you have is a little piece of dirt and nothing's growing in it, God said, I'm going to come take your little piece of dirt. (laughs) You didn't do anything with it. However, what I really feel this morning that God is trying to, to get us to understand and to think about is that there's value in 30, there's value in 60, there's value in 100. It's not about comparison. It's just the right amount that God wanted to bless your life with. This idea of of reaping, this idea of sowing and then having this harvest, it's not to say I only had 30-fold increase. This person that had 60, they must be better than me. They must have something greater in their relationship with God than me. No, I think the kingdom crop yields just the right amount. God gives us a specific seed, right? And maybe your seed isn't supposed to have 100-fold. Maybe it's really healthy to have 30-fold or to have 60-fold. There's a lot of seeds I wanted to give you guys uh, kidney beans, but the ones that we gave out this morning, there's a lot of different kinds of seeds. You're not supposed to compare yours to somebody else's. You're supposed to be grateful for the increase that comes from your seed. You look at all the different types of farmers out there. There are farmers who say that we are feeding America. Thousands and thousands of people are eating off of this person's farm, this person's crops, and they should have joy in that, right? I remember one day, a friend of mine, and we weren't saved, and, and uh, he wasn't serving God or anything like that, but he got really angry with me because I think I cut off a big rig or, or honked at him or did something like that. And he was like, man, these people are feeding America. These people are taking food all over the, the, the country, and you're just going to cut him off? You're just going to act like he's not there? And I thought he was joking because we were like teenagers. I'm like, bro, why are you thinking about stuff like this? <laughs> But I never forgot it because now I think about it. If you ever take one of those terrible drives up like the five and you see all these farms and all this stuff, it's like, man, these people are feeding America. I wonder what it must feel like for them when they go to sleep at night knowing that their crops are all over plates all over, this, all over the country. What a joy, right, to have that kind of harvest. But what about the person who goes into their backyard and they mark out a little area, they turn the soil, they go get some topsoil, and they go plant fruits, and they plant vegetables, and then they have a harvest, and then they invite their friends and their family over, and they cook a meal with the, with the fruit and vegetables that they grew in their own backyard. Should they have less joy than the farmer that's feeding thousands? So then why is it that you and I, when we look across the aisle, we look at other people's lives, we don't have joy in what we are producing and the crop that God has given us because it's 30 maybe, and we're looking at the person that has 100, and we're depressed. Man, if we could see the sower and the seed for what it is, if we could see that there's honor in 30, honor in 60, honor in 100, man, we'd be a much happier group of people. So not only is it the right amount, one thing about kingdom crops is that there's never nothing. (laughs) If you have a kingdom crop, there will always be something, whether it's 30, 60, 100, 90, 10, 25, whatever it is, there will never be nothing. I want to share a story with you. There's a physical crop in this story, but there's also some spiritual seed that uh, the Lord is sowing. This is during the Passion Week, the last week before Jesus is going to be crucified. From Mark chapter 11, verse 10. It says, Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all the things as the hour was already late, He went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now the next day when they had come out from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. Say nothing. Nothing. Say nothing. nothing. Zip, zilch, nada. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. 
In response, Jesus said to it, let no one eat fruit from you ever again. And his disciples heard it. So they came to Jerusalem. Then Jesus went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he would not allow anyone to carry wares through the temple. Then he taught, saying to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you've made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it and sought how they might destroy him, for they feared him, because all the people were astonished at his teaching. When evening had come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you curse has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. What a story, right? You've got some physical harvesting in crops. You've got these spiritual uh, seeds being planted that hopefully in our lives and in the lives of the disciples will have a, a harvest later as well. So there's never nothing. Bible says that we are supposed to be ready in season and out of season. Amen? Amen. Jesus comes. He's hungry. He goes to a fig tree. Who gave the seed for that fig tree? God did. Who caused the fig tree to grow? God did. So here's Jesus in the last few days of his life on earth, and he goes to the fig tree that he created with the seed that he gave and the water and the sun that caused it to grow. And when he came looking for a fig, nothing. (laughs) There's nothing on it. And he's pissed. Can I say that? I think that's how you would describe it in the same way when he walked into the temple. He's hot. Jesus curses the tree. Can you imagine walking with Jesus and he starts talking to a tree? Like, if you talk to a tree, you're crazy. If he talks to a tree, it's like, I made this tree. I could talk to it if I want to. (laughs) And he says, let no one eat from you ever again. Why? Because if a good sower gave good seed, there's supposed to be good fruit coming from that. In season and out of season, I love how they put it in the story. They said, it wasn't the season for figs. Did Jesus care that it wasn't the season for figs? No, he says, because kingdom crops always have something on them. There's never nothing. It doesn't matter if you're in a cold season, go to church. It doesn't matter if you're in a hot season, serve the Lord. It doesn't matter what we're going through in our lives. We got to be ready in season and out of season. When he comes to us looking for something that he planted in our lives, we better have it. I gave you the seed. I gave you everything that you needed. So when I come to you and I need a fig because I'm hungry and I'm about to go sacrifice my life for the sins of the world, have a fig for me, please. Jesus is trying to change lives. He's trying to save lives. And he's coming to you saying, hey, today, could you not be so focused on yourself? Because I'd like to send somebody who's hurting, and I need you to give them a fig, a spiritual fig. And if there's nothing on you, whoo. Now, imagine if the story had been different. Imagine if there was a fig on that tree and Jesus gained sustenance and strength and refreshment. You know, people would be traveling from all over the world looking for that fig tree. Today, people are like, man, where is that fig tree? We went to, we went to Israel in 2014 and we came from here. There were people from all over the world going to every single site where Jesus walked and something happened. People couldn't wait to get there. So not only is God glorified, but those places and those people are glorified. You know, the widow that gave her her uh, her last two mites, the Lord said, everywhere that my story is told, her story will be told. Why? Because she the fruit that was supposed to be on her tree in the moment that Jesus was there, it was on her tree. We're so worried about ourselves, and God's like, look, if you just bear fruit the way that you're supposed to, right, I'll exalt you, I'll lift you up, 
I'll meet all your needs. People will come from all over to hear you talk about me. There's never nothing when it comes to kingdom crops. So what about the spiritual seed? That's the actual physical crop, the physical seed in the story, the spiritual seed that was sown in the story. Jesus said, my house will be called a house of prayer. Ask yourself this morning as we start 2019, is that a seed that you're cultivating? Do you come into the house and you know that it's a house of prayer? This morning, I think it was probably 8.45, 9 o'clock, I was in my office, and because none of you are usually here, sometimes I do random things. So I was drinking my coffee, and I didn't want to throw away whatever my little pod in my office, so I snuck into 4 to 6 to throw it away in there. And I was singing real loud and obnoxious because nobody was here, but then when I opened the door, somebody was in there praying. And it surprised me. Should it surprise the pastor that somebody's here early praying? But I came in, I swung the door open, break every, oh, sorry. One person cultivating prayer. One person sees the value of that seed. By herself. Not a member of the prayer team. Just an individual who needed to pray and said, man, I think I can go to the house of prayer and pray. Next Sunday, you heard the announcement. I don't know how many of you pulled out your phone and said, let me put it in my phone that next Sunday at 845, there's prayer with understanding at the church. I want to cultivate that seed in my life. After that, Jesus says, not only is my house supposed to be a house of prayer, but I need people who will pray with faith and without doubt. He says, if you come to the house of prayer or you go to your prayer closet or you have your time of prayer, that's great. You're cultivating that seed. But if you get there and you pray with doubt instead of faith, then it doesn't do any good anyway. How many of you pray with faith and don't pray with doubt? Right? When you go, is your prayer life more like playing the lottery? You buy the ticket and in your mind, what are you saying? I'm probably not going to (laughs) win. Is that how you pray? God, I really want you to do this. He's probably not going to do it. I really want to see this in my life. It's probably not going to happen. God's like, why are you praying? That's not, you're not praying with faith. You're praying with doubt. What can I do with that? What can God do with our doubt? Not a whole lot. Prayers are not wishes. Prayers are prayers. You're talking to the God who is almighty and all-powerful, who can do anything. We shouldn't be making wishes. We should be making requests. So these are spiritual seeds he's planting. House of prayer, pray with faith, and then the last spiritual seed he sows is forgiveness. He says, if it's a house of prayer, and you come in with faith when you get ready to pray, not just here in the church, anywhere that you do this, house of prayer in your own house, right? Wherever your prayer place is, and you're praying with faith and with passion and with expectation, he says, but if you have unforgiveness in your heart, don't expect me to do anything. Yes, that's right. So if we're seeing God move like crazy in our lives, then maybe some of these things are happening. If we're starting 2019 and we're saying to ourselves that maybe we would like to see God do more, if you look at the crop of your life, the kingdom crop of your life, if it's not 30, if it's not 60, if it's not 100-fold, we have to ask ourselves, right? Are we treating God's house like a house of prayer? Are we praying with faith? And are we forgiving people? I feel like if we can do this, God is saying that you will have crazy crops. If you're like, man, who do I have anything against? Let me forgive them. That's what Jesus is saying in this story. He gives you a physical example of a fig tree that he's cursing. And then on the spiritual side, he's saying, it's a house of prayer. Pray with faith. And if you know of anybody that you have something against that you're holding against them, you need to forgive them. And then the Lord will forgive you. And then he'll just shower you with the desires of your heart. He'll answer your prayers and your requests with yes. I was talking to somebody, and I fully believed them. Sometimes when people tell me stuff, I'll nod, but I'll be like, I don't believe you. <laughs> I know that you believe yourself. I'm not saying you're lying. You're just mistaken about what you're saying. 
But this particular individual, I full on believed him because I know him and I know him well. He said, I was talking to somebody and we were just wrestling with, their, with the things that they're going through. And, and he said, there's so much unforgiveness in their life. It's, he said, I can see it on them when they're talking. He said, it made me think about my life. And he said, I'm so thankful that I don't have any grudges. I don't have anything that I'm holding against anybody. He says, it kills you. He says, you can't be unforgiving, and especially when you know what God has done for you. And I'm like, man, preach it. I want to be like you. <laughs> Unforgiveness. If you look at your, your crops, could it be that there's some bad soil because of unforgiveness? Could it be that we're not seeing 30, 60, 100 fold because we don't pray with faith? Could it be that we don't see this as primarily a house of prayer? Mary told me that she went to the, <laughs> the women's event and several ladies came up to her and gave her a big hug and said, it's been too long. We missed one Wednesday together. <laughs> it's been too long. So, cause I, I told her, I said, that's exciting because we are all so used to seeing each other on Sunday. And then by Wednesday, it's like two or three days and we get to see each other again. I said, that's great. However, Can the church become friendships and fellowship and not primarily a house of prayer? Like we come first for Jesus. We come first for God. I come first to worship, not to preach. First things first. Then you'll see your crops expand. Then you get to say, well, look, we're eating at the table of life groups. We are eating at the table of women's events and men's events, the crops that are being harvested from our relationship with Jesus. It's not the other way around. All those other things, those meals like we talked about, you build the garden in your backyard and you invite the friends and family over to eat of what you've produced, but God gave the seed and God grew it, right? All that you're, you're able to experience comes from your relationship first with God. Jesus whooped everybody out of the church. He said, you guys have this wrong. You have it backwards. I got to get this fixed. <clears throat> Kingdom crops never have nothing, but they're also characterized by labor in the now and vision for the future. So there's always something on it, but if you really want to know the heart of it and the character of it, there's labor going on now and there's vision for the future. I want to share a, a post that popped up from January of last year. Put it on the screen there. I'll read it fast. This is January 3rd, 2018 at 7.56 p.m. here in Brea, which means, uh, I don't know if that time is right. That must be East Coast because I know we were about to start something. But listen, this is the only thing Facebook is good for is reminding you of good things. January 3rd of last year, I wrote, I spent the last two years teaching through the Gospel of Matthew on Wednesday nights. Tonight, we start a new book of the Bible. Can't say which one, since it's a surprise, since it's a surprise for those who survived the last two years. I don't know what excites everybody else, but what I learn and study and seeing people's lives changed as their knowledge of God increases day after week after year is priceless. While the Powerball would be nice tonight, I honestly wouldn't trade hundreds of millions for the last two years of Wednesday nights or for the eight years before that or the year that we're going to start tonight. For real, though, in case you thought it was a game or a cute, timely quote, I'm not the greatest teacher, pastor, but man is my God alive and well and using the foolish to confound the wise. Every year since meeting Jesus in 2004 has been the best year of my life. First worship service of 2018 with my bride, Mary Jarrett, leading me is in T minus four minutes. Love y'all, mama out. <laughs> so I thought to myself when this popped up, and I, again, I knew what I was gonna be sharing with you guys today. I'm talking about 2016 and 17. We spent two years on Wednesday nights going through the book of Matthew. It's a long time to be in one book of the Bible. 
And I was excited about what we're going to start in January of 18, which was the book of Hebrews that we just finished like a week and a half ago. We spent a year going through the book of Hebrews together. That's labor, you guys. But it's labor with a vision for the future. I can look back even today and say three of the best years of my life. Studying through those books, learning more about the Lord, studying with you guys has been great. It's been amazing. I can look back and say the labor was well worth it. The time was well worth it. But you know what I'm thinking right now? In January of 2020, I want to look back and say 2019 was the best year of my life. Life groups changed my life. Life groups changed the church. You've got to have current labor with future vision. Look at these pictures. Anybody remember this? This was a series we did last year. We talked about, it was, it's crazy how, how the Lord works. We talked about a time to plant, right? What we were planting last year, we should be eating that this year. Amen. We should be harvesting it now. I don't remember for you guys, I know the things that I planted last year, but what about you? Was it a resolution or was it a harvest that God had for you? So, this is that day we planted these little uh, different kinds of plants up here. People were coming up, and this is how it started. Then a few days later, this is what it looked like. A little while after, and I'm excited. I don't know. Stop there, Ray. I remember telling everybody, look, if we see anything green, that means God is on this. <laughs> on this. That's all I want to see, God. Cause a little bit of growth, please. So a little while later into the year, this is what it looked like. And then later in the year, this is what it became. I'm not afraid to tell you that this one belongs to Raymond McHale. <laughs> to protect the innocent, we won't tell you what happened to mine and Gary's and whoever else had one. <laughs> Let's stay focused on this crop. <laughs> Leave that up there for a while, Ray. But listen, this is what we're talking about, right? This, this plant went through elements. It left the church. It went to their house. It moved cities, right? It had to be watered. It had to be taken care of. They had to put it on a post and put some lattice behind it so that it could continue to grow. There was a lot that had to be done. There was current labor always going on, but with future vision. So here we are a year later. We're in 2019, and that thing is still alive, and it's got beautiful flowers on it. It's bearing fruit. It's producing a crop. How many of our lives could we say in 2018 that's what happened to us? How many of you are confident that in 2019, that's what's going to happen to you? Why not if we have a good sower and he's got good seed? Comes down to us, doesn't it? In Luke 9, 62, Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. He says, look, if you're going to be a farmer, if we're going to harvest some stuff, put your hands to the plow. Don't look back. Move forward. Let's go. He says, I promise you, if you're willing to do that, if you put your hands to the plow, look forward, have a future vision, labor now, looking to the future, I promise you, you're going to have something beautiful. You're going to have something fruitful. You're going to have something nourishing. You're going to have something good when it's time to harvest. If you look back, or if you're not willing to plow, if you're not willing to look to the future, he says, you're not fit for the kingdom. No kingdom crops for you. I don't want to read through the story. I had it in my notes, but I just want to tell you quickly about uh, Nehemiah. Nehemiah looks up, and uh, the children of Israel are in captivity. They've, they've denied God and turned on God, basically, and now they've, uh, they've had a nation come in and, and take them captive. And then Nehemiah gets this report that those, the remnant, those who are left over are suffering, right? The temple's been, been destroyed, and Nehemiah starts weeping and crying, and he's in a good position as, you know, as a slave uh, underneath the, uh, the country that, that uh, overtook them. He's the cupbearer, so he's with the king every day, right? And the king looks at him, he's like, why are you sad? And he's weeping, and he says, look at how my people are living. There's no temple, there's no wall. We're scattered. God planted a seed in his heart of, of uh, care and love and passion for the children of Israel and for the temple, the church, the city of Jerusalem. So he finds favor in the sight of the king. The king lets him go, so he begins to rebuild the wall. That's a specific seed that God planted in Nehemiah's heart. Like I said before, God didn't plant that same seed in everybody. He planted it in Nehemiah. God didn't give everybody in this room this morning the same seed. He has a specific seed for you. But once he gets released and he goes to, to work on the wall, 
the enemy comes, the elements come that want to choke off, right, that seed before it's able to fully grow and fully harvest. And it says that what they decide to do is that they labor with one hand building the wall and they keep a sword in the other hand to defend themselves. Current labor with vision for what's going to happen in the future. Something is going to come against me, right? There's something I'm going to have to fight through. There's somewhere I want to be in a year from now, and there's going to be a fight to get there. However, I still have to work every single day with this crop, with this wall, with this forgiveness, with this family, with this marriage, with these kids, with these friends, with this life group. <laughs> Current labor, future vision. And then God blesses it. So kingdom crops, first is uh, the sower, the seed in the soil. Second is these kingdom crops that he wants to, to grow in our life. And then to close this morning, I want to talk about the mysteries. The mysteries. At the end of this portion of scripture, verse uh, 16 and 17 of Matthew 13 this morning, the Lord says, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For assuredly I say to you that many prophets... And righteous men desired to see what you see, and they did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and they did not hear it. God talks about these crops. He talks about fruitfulness, all these types of things, the different types of soil. And then at the end, he throws on there, he just says, listen, there's so many people that want to see what you see and hear what you're hearing, and they couldn't do it. 1 Corinthians 2.14 says, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For their foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. The things that God speaks in parables, the things that God speaks in mysteries, they're for his children. They're not for everybody else. He has like a family language, right? Words that you say, things that you say, names that we call each other, that nobody else will understand, but you understand because you're part of the family. God's saying, these are mysteries that I'm speaking to my sons and my daughters, and nobody else can understand them because they're, they're not for them. They actually consider them foolishness. If somebody from the world were to come in here and hear me telling you that, look, it's about forgiveness, it's about being in a house of prayer, it's about praying with faith, and God is going to give you a crop that's going to yield 30, 60, 100, they're going to say, what are you talking about? None of that stuff is real, and it's not going to happen. Why? Because it's foolishness to them. But to us, it's life, and it's the power of God. It comes in mysteries. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 1, verse 10 says that this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glories that would follow. To them it was revealed that not for themselves, but to us they were ministering the things which now have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. What's the point about these mysteries? The point is that now is the time. God is revealing things to his people now in a different way than he has in all of history. It says that not just the worldly people, that think it's foolishness and they can't understand it because they don't have the spirit. It'd be one thing if, if that's what the Bible said, right? But it's not just them. In Matthew and then in Peter that I just read to you, it said angels want to know these things. Prophets want to know these things. Men and women of God, even that have the Holy Spirit, wanted to know these things. And there were still mysteries to them because now is the time. God has this plan for all of creation, all of eternity. And we live, in my opinion, in the best time. Many people say that, man, they would have loved to cross the Red Sea. Then there's no doubt. Well, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Many people say that, man, I would have loved to have been there when, when Jesus was walking on the earth. Jesus said, hey, it's better for me to go back and I'll send the Spirit. He said, it's better for those who come after this than even those who are here when I'm here. Yep, we live in the best time ever. Why? Because all the mysteries have been revealed to us. Amen. There's nothing hidden anymore. Amen. There's nothing that you have to wait for. It said that these, these prophets, these men and women of God, that were receiving revelation from God. They said they want to know the things that God has laid plain for us. There's good seed, but will you plant it in good soil? This is how it says in the uh, last two verses this morning. First, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 1, this is what Peter says. 
Speaking of God, he says, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Nothing's hidden. He says, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In the past, there were things that were hidden. There were things that weren't just given to them. There wasn't a spirit to give revelation. It wasn't written on their hearts and minds. He says, now in the day and age that you and I live in, he's given us everything that we could want. It's a buffet. (laughs) All you can eat. How much life you want. How much godliness you want. He says, you can have it all. Last one in Acts chapter 20, verse 20, Paul says this. Paul says, I kept back nothing that was helpful but I proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly from house to house. So glad that we're going house to house in 2019. But even more so than that, I'm glad that nothing that is helpful to us will be held back. God doesn't have another book that he's going to put out. (laughs) The best self-help people, they have to do seminars every year and they have to keep writing books because they left something out. God says, I don't leave anything out. I gave it all to you. You can have as much as you want. I love that it's Acts 20, 22. He says, you're going to see clearly. <laughs> You'll see it clearly. Kingdom crops. So listen, what we're able to see now because of like technology and, and time has gone on, right? People that wanted to grow stuff could never see what we just saw in the video. It's like nothing to us now, but think about that. We saw this whole plant grow, right? In time lapse. We're able to see what's going on in the soil underground. We're able to see what's coming up. We're able to see the leaf actually grow bigger and bigger. We see it spinning. All the things that nobody had ever seen before is just normal for us, right? But what are we actually seeing? We're seeing the creativity of God. We're seeing how God brings life. We're seeing how God brings growth. And we're seeing all that magnificently for a kidney bean. What I believe is now the Lord is letting us in on what he's doing in the lives of men and women who belong to the kingdom. We can see it in a way that it's never been seen before. We can experience it in a way that's never been experienced before if we're willing to pursue God in a way that maybe we've never pursued him before. How many of us, maybe I I know that I'm a pastor, so I'm watching a lot of times and I'm dealing with a lot of you guys, but that's what I see a lot in people's lives. From nothing, it's a pile of dirt, to something like being birthed and starting to move and starting to grow and growing deep roots. And then all of a sudden, we didn't even know what it was going to be, but we just knew it was beautiful. Nobody knew that was a kidney bean when you were watching that, but you were like, oh, it's beautiful. What is it? It's a kidney bean. Uh. (laughs) That's how it is in a lot of people's lives before we come to know the Lord. There's nothing really there. And then even as it's growing, there's a lot of moments where you're like, ugh. But man, when it, when it sprouts, when it gives the fruit, when, it, when the flower blossoms, it's beautiful. Man, I want this year uh, people to begin to see that in a way that you've never seen it before. And not just in the lives of others, in your own life. I want you at the end of this year to be able to show those pictures um, of your life. Look, in 2019, maybe you're not starting from scratch. But in some areas, I believe that all of us are. It was just a a little pot of dirt. And then we started to see a little green stuff in there. And then you were able to show people the big reveal at the end of 2019. Look at all these flowers I got. Look at all these things that have grown in my life from seeds that the Lord gave me. I think back even now when we did that, uh, it might have been Mary, but somebody was giving me a hard time because I didn't do it right. I I put all kinds of different seeds and different flowers into each pot because God's creative like that. I think you guys are beautiful. I think God has something amazing for you this year. Kingdom crops. Amen? Amen. Amen. Worship team, would you come? Praise the Lord. Why don't we stand? Why don't we stand? You know, every every time we come together, um, and for me it never gets old, we always give everybody an opportunity So I believe that you never know. You know, the Bible says that salvation is something intimate, something personal. You know, we look at each other's lives and and we kind of judge by the fruit, the 30, the 60, or the 100. 
Uh, we look at what's being birthed in your life and, and how things have changed. But I love the scripture that says nobody knows the spirit of a man and nobody knows the spirit of a woman except for the spirit that's in them. You know if you're saved or not. You know if your sins have been forgiven. You know if, if the burden has been lifted and uh, that you've come to know that, that God is real, that Jesus is alive, that he's not dead and in a tomb, that he's risen. We sang this morning, if you walked out of the grave, I'm walking too. Yeah. Only you know if you've had that real experience in your life. So every time we gather, again, it's not just about fellowship. It's not just about hearing the word. It's about pursuing God and people coming out of death and into life. You know, in the <clears throat> scripture earlier this morning, talked about something being planted in your life, this, this seed. Said that God says he will... Remove all the sins, forgive you. He'll forget all the sins that you've ever committed. Jesus already paid for those. And then he says, I will write my laws on your heart. I'll write my laws on your mind. That's confirmation that he's alive and that he is faithful to his promises. But first, you have to give your life to the Lord. So if that's you here this morning, you could be coming to church for a long time. You could be freshly new in the building. But if you feel the Lord saying, man, I want to... Uh, I want to plant something new in you. I want to give you life. I want to give you purpose. I want to give you forgiveness. I want to change everything about you. Um, I want to enter into your life. Man, there's no time like the present. This isn't a New Year's resolution. This will be a New Year revolution for you. Everything will be different from here on out. So if that's you, man, I want to welcome you to the family. Just raise your hand so that I can see you, that we can pray for you. Nothing like salvation. It's the greatest gift. It's the seed of all seeds. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we're going to believe that we all know the Lord. So for the rest of us, if you're ready for the Lord to sow some kingdom crops in your life this morning, I want to open the altar in just a minute and have you come and have you pray. But I want you to think about it for a second. Matter of fact, why don't we close our eyes? Just you and the Lord for a moment. Is there something specific you feel like you desire to see grow in your life this year? Something specific. You're like, it's not there now, but I want it to be, or it's really small and I want it to grow. I want God to do this. We want to give you an opportunity, man. This is a house of prayer. We can pray with faith and not doubt. I'm going to open the altars, and, and if that's you and there's something specific, as you come, I want you to have this picture in your heart, this picture in your mind that you are literally turning the soil and making it good soil. As you come forward, you're saying, Lord, I know you're good. You're a good sower. You've got good seed. All I've got to do is give you good soil, and you will bring these things into my life. This will be a crop that grows. This will be something that will sustain me and nourish me. This will be something that maybe even I'll be able to invite others over and feed them from this crop. It'll be a beautiful thing. God has that for you this morning. You'll have a harvest that'll be very, very special. If that's you, the altars are open. We're going to pray. We have a prayer team that will pray with you, pray for you, and then we'll receive communion. Lord, we thank you this morning for kingdom crops. We thank you that there's never nothing that comes forth, that the seeds you plant, Lord, they're good seeds. You are a good sower. We come, Lord, and we're giving you good soil this morning, Lord. We will not harden our hearts, Lord. We will soften them. We will not hold on to unforgiveness. We will forgive others, Lord. We'll begin this year, Lord. The way that you desire, we begin every day, Lord, with forgiveness for others, receiving forgiveness for ourselves, Lord. Give us the seed that you have for us, specific seed. We want our seed with our name on it, Lord. You know exactly why you're planting it. You know what it will produce. You know what it will do in our lives, Lord God, and that's what we desire this morning. Lord, remember everything that you've done, why you've done it, who you've done it for, Lord God. As we receive communion this morning, it was labored over, Lord. This isn't store-bought and purchased, Lord. There was labor. There was prayer, Lord, that we could receive in remembrance of who you are. Your body was broken for us. Your blood was spilled for us. Why? So that we could have a harvest, Lord God. 
that our lives could bear fruit, Lord, that we could live in that forgiveness and in that newness, Lord God. We thank you. We thank you for what you've done, Lord. Continue to reveal your mysteries to us, God. Continue to show us more of your word and who you are and what you have for us, Lord, like only you can. We know it's foolishness to the world, but here in this place, Lord, we know that it's your power and your love. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. listening. The Way would love you to visit our church at 451 West Lambert Road, Suite 204 in the city of Brea. Our service times are Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. For more information, please visit our website at www.thewaybrea.com or you can download our church app by visiting your app store and searching The Way Brea. Be blessed.